Episode 19 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your co-host, Adam McKinnon, joined, as always, by my co-host, partner in crime, Jim Passon, Jr. Uh, Good morning to you, and good afternoon to our guest. Our guest, who is uh, Joey Mellows. You may better know him as the Baseball Brit. Joey, thank you so much for joining us. Adam, Jim, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. The pleasure is all ours, my friend. And, you know, for those, uh, you know, I would assume that uh, most of our listeners probably already have a pretty good idea of who you are and and everything like that. But um, for those who don't know, um, just a little bit of background. You uh, you uh, grew up in southern England, um, you know, became a baseball fan. And uh, can you kind of tell a little bit about how you got to, you know, the backstory as to what started all of this? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm just an idiot with a moustache that grew up on the south coast of England. Um, I left uh, my home country when I was 29 for a teaching job in Seoul in South Korea. Um, never watched a baseball game up to that point. Never never even thought about it, really. And then in, um, in Asia, I got into baseball on holiday in Japan. I saw my first game, went back to Seoul where I was living, uh, lived there for four years and began watching baseball in the KBO pretty much every night, either on TV or in the, my local ballpark of Jamsil, the LG Twins of my team, and um, then started watching MLB for the English commentary so I could understand the rules. And uh, they had Shinsu Chu's games with the Rangers, and Hein Jin Ryu was injured in 2015, but I watched a lot of Dodgers games and fell in love with Zach Greinke. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of my baseball education, really, through the Rangers and the Dodgers. We, always, we, we all love Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke is uh, one of our national treasures. Um, he's my absolute favorite, along with Eric Thames. So yeah, he's a top lad. I like him a lot. So would you, what was you know just um, it, it's so hard sometimes to see to meet people when you get so into this game. You get it's, it's so hard to meet people who saw it for the first time as an adult. You know, in America, you, you're so used to just growing up with it. Um, you know, what, what was your first? What was the most uh, striking difference between, say, the KBO? and uh the the major leagues in america oh in terms of like between the you know the leagues i grew up with i've watched more kbo baseball than mlb baseball still i'd say and uh the kbo the atmosphere is very different and um you know bat flips are all part of it and uh korean society on the whole is uh pretty you know pretty kind of reserved but on the ball you know on the baseball field you know the players showed a lot of emotion and joy and uh, the fans loved it, and there's all kinds of noise, and everyone's everyone's hammered drunk as well because uh, beer's, <laughs> beer's super cheap uh, at Korean ballparks. And um, you know, obviously the standard's not quite as high as the MLB, but it's a different type of baseball where people are getting on base and they're bunting uh, and they're stealing more. And there's you know there's less power and there's less speed with the you know with the pitching. But uh, I find it a very entertaining and exciting brand of baseball in Korea. 
Nice. nice. So the so the fans are really into it. Uh, unlike, say, when the games that you visited last year uh, across the country, do you feel like the fans in the in Korea are more in tune with their team during the game, or about the same? They- uh, you know, I don't want to say one's better than the other. Uh, all I can talk about is what I experienced, you know, in my formative years of baseball education. And in Korea, there's cheer songs for the players. Um, you know, each player has their own song. You've got cheering sections where, you know, fans that want to stand up and, uh, you know, sing and get hammered drunk and bang, you know, bang <laughs> these huge inflatable things that they bring in uh, can do so. And it's very organized. And uh, in America, it's a bit more relaxed and um, you know, the away fans and the, uh, the home fans are more integrated, whereas in Korea, you know, third base side is traditionally the away fans and first base sides, the, the home cheer section. You've got cheer masters like guys that stand on the dugout with cheerleaders either side of them uh, kind of orchestrating the, the singing and the chanting. And um, I used to sit in the outfield. I mean, I'm not a noisy guy. I like to get away from that. But it was still fun to hear it and watch it from the safety of the outfield where I where I always was section 418 in Jamsil. Nice. Did you, would you, would it be an unfair parallel to compare it to say what many of us would, would think of like uh, when you were just talking about that, I almost pictured like a football, like a European football stadium. Was that, is that a sort of maybe a uh, two, a bridge too far? (laughs) I mean, I, I haven't been to many European football games. I can only speak about English football and it's certainly very different to that. It's, it's a warmer, friendlier environment um, in, you know, at Korean ballparks and Mm. it's less tribal and less aggressive. And, you know, you're able to drink in the stands, whereas, you know, you you still can't do that here in England because of hooliganism issues and things. Oh, okay. So, uh, It was uh, it was a very fun atmosphere, a very new atmosphere for me in Korea, and uh, you know it's still it's still the league that you know people people think I'm just MLB, but you know the KBO and the MPB in Japan are still leagues that I try and watch as much as I can. That's awesome. See, uh, so uh, you know it, what got me uh, kind of doing a little bit of, of background research on it. Um, you're you're the first player that you ever saw and uh, that you were most struck by in the major leagues was was CC Sabathia. Is that right? Well, he was just the first guy. I was in Japan, yeah, in a, in a hotel. My, my my parents came over for the first time to Asia to to see me after I'd moved, mm-hmm. and it was it just happened to be opening week, and yeah, we were in a bar, and um, this this huge guy with a big old belly was on TV, and I just asked the guy behind the bar, I was like, "What on earth is this?" And he said, "Oh, it's, it, this is Major League Baseball. You know, that's the New York Yankees." Because I recognize the, you know, the logo of the Yankees is uh, is a big fashion thing. You, right. know, you see in London on the, on the tube people wearing the logo. Maybe they don't know that it's the Yankees. Maybe they just think it means New York. But uh, mm-hmm. I recognize the logo. So, yeah, I, I kind of had an inkling, but I just couldn't believe a guy that big was, a, you know, one of their top pitchers or whatever. Right. He's an athlete, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You... And that's no shade at CeCe Sabathia. Obviously, I've kind of caught up now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's had a fantastic career and 3,000 strikeouts and all that. And, uh, yeah, I don't mean to, you know, throw shade his way, but I was just surprised the guy that size was, you know, was... Was, was pitching or I don't think, the ball, as I used to say. Yeah, I don't think uh, CC would object to that. <laughs> um, and so that that watching that game, I believe, was a trigger for you to be able to go and actually catch a game, correct? Yeah, yeah. My dad's um, my dad's a big sports guy, and like he basically said, "Well, let's see if there's a game on." You know, he came up with the idea, and um, yeah, we uh, we went and asked the concierge, and we headed off. You know, that night to a game at the Kaiseira Dome between the Oryx Buffaloes and the Chibolotte Marines in Japan. And yeah, I was transfixed, went back on my own the next night. And, you know, since then, that was April 2015. I've spent the last five, six years now, you know, pretty much uh, addicted to it. 
Right. And so has, uh, when you, so all of this leads culminates in what was the decision like to say, I'm going to the United States. Like, had you, had you been there before? You know, what was the, this is such a monumental decision. I would think, you know, what, what was the thought going into it? Yeah, so when I was in Korea, I used to have long summer holidays because I was a teacher and uh, I got I think I got six weeks off with the summer holiday. And in 2016, I headed over to watch Shinsu Chu um, and I just followed the Rangers from the East Coast. The Yankees was my first MLB uh, ballpark and I kind of followed them down to uh, across to Texas and then across to L.A. in the Angels just watching Shinsu Chu. Um, and uh, th- that was my first kind of baseball tour in the States. Uh, but um, are you talking about last year, Adam, like the one I've just finished? Uh, no, the, your first, uh, yeah, the first tour, I guess you would call it, like when you first yeah, decided. Was, yeah, 2016. 2016, I think I went to maybe about 11 games. Most of them were Rangers games. I saw the Royals play down in Philadelphia as well. I remember looking on the map and seeing that the Phillies were close to the Yankees, so I popped down there on a Greyhound bus. And, uh, yeah, that was it. 2016 was the first one. Wow, okay. And so, so that's your first taste of it. The the next one is a much bigger. The, I guess the one that you just finished was a much bigger leap. You know, eleven games is you know I I think I'm lucky to get to eleven games in a year, um, but the next one was like no I'm gonna go to uh, you wanted to go to 162 is that right? Yeah, and there's um I actually in 2018 I left my job in Seoul and uh, I hit the road then and I only had a few you know a few hundred followers on Twitter so I did a I did something pretty crazy in 2018 but just not many people were following. So I went to 75 games in 2018 and I think over half of those were independent league baseball and uh, oh, you know wow. because I'm an outsider very much you know in terms of my baseball education I didn't grow up with it I'm you know I'm still like a child with my learning about it my enthusiasm for it so I wanted to get into independent baseball because that also felt like it's kind of, you know, outside the mainstream. People there would be maybe a bit more forgiving of an idiot with a moustache just coming <laughs> around asking loads of questions and getting confused about stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what I did in 2018. But uh, as I said, very few people were following me then. So people probably aren't aware of that. And then in 2019, I had the full meltdown and, yeah, tried to get to 162. <laughs> what was the when, – when you – because you were talking about, you know, uh, the, your education came through watching games – what was what was the like the wildest in-game moment? I don't even know how to describe it. What was the most dumbfounding game moment you saw and then learned about? Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, off the top of my head, I remember I was in Japan um, watching the Yakult Swallows in Jingu Stadium um, in uh, in Tokyo, and uh, I remember uh, a ball was hit off the bat and it it came at me so hard that I, I literally ducked at the last minute and it ricocheted off the chair uh, just behind me that I sat on. And, uh, you know, someone came, you know, kind of came running over to, to ask if I was okay. And that's probably the closest I've ever got to, like, dying in my life. Where, uh, <laughs> I just wasn't concentrating. I was pouring some beer into a plastic cup, and the next thing I know, like, there's this object moving towards me at, like, 100 miles per hour. And, yeah, it was, it was right in my head. If I hadn't ducked, I'd have got, you know, hospitalized or whatever. So that's probably the craziest thing that's ever happened at a game. But... Uh, yeah, nothing uh, off the top of my head really kind of in terms of... I saw Derek Dietrich hit three home runs in one game last year, but, I mean, yeah, that's... Right. I saw Cano hit three as well for the Mets in uh, three home runs in one game as well. I was with Jake Mintz from Cespes Barbecue that night, and, uh, yeah, that was pretty crazy, I guess, but... Yeah, nothing really, Adam. Like I've got a, a dreadful answer. You can tell I'm stumbling over that. <laughs> no, you're good, you, man. You drop a you drop a day, right? Like with Jake. Uh, I mean, you met a lot of people on on your now that not your 2018 tour, but your 2019 tour when you started getting the following, right? Um, 
I mean, what's that like? I mean, I think you met Rob Friedman along the way, uh, Jessica Kleinschmidt. I think there was even a picture floating around with you in uh, orbit from uh, the Astros, right? I mean, that's that's a lot of access that a lot of us um, wish that we could ever have, right? And, yeah. and you're into it, uh, and we got to follow that. What? I mean, what's that like? I mean, give us a give us a feel of of how that how that access uh, how that access feels. Yeah, it was all it was all very strange, and most of the time I didn't realise until the last minute, you know, the kind of access I was getting. So, for example, and I don't think I've ever said this before, but uh, with the um, when I first posted a video last February or March and said I'm I'm doing this stupid thing, I'm leaving my teaching <laughs> job in China where I was at the time and uh, trying to get 262 games. Lance McCullers retweeted it, and I know that because Astro Fans UK, George, who runs the account, he messaged me in with a screenshot because I don't always check the notifications because, you know, Twitter, you know, there's always someone saying you're an idiot or whatever, and I don't always want to read that. So uh, right. George let me know, and uh, MLB Network picked it up, and then they rang me the next day, and I went on there. Um, and then I checked these, you know, this folder on my Twitter where if I'm not following someone, they can still message me. And I didn't know about this folder until the start of 2019. So I had a quick look in there and there was a message from a woman called Gina. And she said, hey, Joey, like uh, I saw Lance McCullers retweet your thing. When you're in Houston, my husband and I would love to you know, host you. And anyway, we kept in touch for like two or three months until I got to Houston in early May. And, um, you know, we used to message each other. Uh, normally when they were playing the Rangers, I'd get a message from, you know, from, from, from Gina. And anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, just before I arrived in Houston, Gina said, by the way, did I tell you my husband is Jeff? And I said, no. And uh, he, uh, she said, he's the, he's the general manager of the Houston Astros, Jeff Lunau. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and I've kept this very quiet because Jeff and Gina were incredibly kind to me. And wow. when I was with the Astros, I used to sit with Jeff in his, in his box. Um, Brandon Tobman, of course, the infamous now Brandon Tobman. Um, right. I, I sat next to him. He's, he's roughly my age. He was 32. I think I was 34 at the time. Uh, talked about his love of the Mets and things like that. And um, I just got to know, you know, these people accidentally, personally. Wow. And, um, you know, obviously everything that's happened since then, uh, you know, it's come out and it's, it's been very difficult for me personally because they're lovely people. They were ever so kind to me. The access I got, you know, Jeff was showing me, for example, like in their gym, they had... Uh, they have no machine weights in the Astros gym. And I remember him saying, like, he was very proud, like, we've got rid of all the machine weights here. Um, it's just like we want yoga and stretching and we want to emphasize that, that type of fitness rather than machine weights and things. And, um, wow. you know, I got to spend time up in the front office and, uh, you know, the access that I got was, was unbelievable. And I never really want to kind of, you know, uh, bring attention to that on Twitter or whatever, like, in a boastful way because I knew people would find it quite confusing. But that's essentially, chaps, how... A lot of the stuff that happened on the trip took place. I just stumbled into these random uh, kind of big coincidences or, you know, whatever, where people were just very kind to me and, uh, um, you know, enabled me to, you know, to have access that would be unparalleled in if I was just a media member or just a fan, I think. Right. And, you know, to, and that's not your only kind of happy co um, coincidence along the way either. I was reading you had a similar-ish run in in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Um, when I flew to Boston uh, for their home opener, when they got the World Series rings, um, similarly, uh, I checked my random folder on Twitter and a really nice chap called David had said, Joey, I see you coming to Boston. Have you got any, anywhere to stay? And I said, truthfully, no, I haven't. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Like, I'm, you know, kind of doing this on the fly. So he said, I'll be at the airport to pick you up and you can stay with my family. 
and he didn't have a, a photo on his Twitter and he, he had about 50 followers or whatever. So I, I couldn't really gauge it, but I was desperate. So I was like, David, thank you. And anyway, I flew into Boston Logan at 9am and there he is like clad in Lycra, you know, with a, you know, with a sign for, you know, for Joey Mellows or whatever and uh, get in his car, drive back. And he lives on like, it seems like he lives on Harvard campus. So I'm like, David, what do you do? He doesn't really tell me, but his house is massive anyway. And uh, he, he got me in touch. It turns out he went to Harvard Business School, uh, I think in the, the late, I'm going to get this wrong. Like, I, I don't want to get his age <laughs> wrong, but I think he went to Harvard Business School like the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And um, he basically said, like, wherever you are, send me your schedule. And if I know anyone in those cities, you know, I'll ask if they'll, if they'll put you up. Um, and I probably took advantage of this maybe three or four times on the trip. And one of the times was in Atlanta where his friend Mike, uh, he went to Harvard Business School with. And uh, Mike just happened to be the vice president of the Atlanta Falcons. And I didn't quite <laughs> realize, you know, what the... I didn't even know that the Atlanta wow. Falcons were. I thought they were. I didn't know whether they were NBA or NFL. I mean, that's right. how clueless I am. <laughs> wow. And uh, I kind of turned up at his house and, you know, I'd slept around the back of a, um, a hotel car park the night before in my car. And I kind of turned up there, like having not showered in two days and, you know, you know sleeping in the back of my car the previous night. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's got this lovely garage apartment and I stay above that. And, you know, they give me a kettle and I make tea and just have a lovely old time. And, yeah, I mean, that didn't happen all the time like for the listeners like it wasn't like every single day i was living this charm right. life a lot of the it's time it's not silver spoon I was, yeah i was sleeping rough like a lot of the time and you know uh, i stayed in the drug den for five days and yeah Ooh. you know there were some difficult moments as well you know very friendly drug people by the way right but, uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey it was a pretty i was just lying on like uh, on, on the floor sleeping in this kind of place and uh, yeah people coming in and out and doing all sorts of things and i was just like oh god Wow. Uh, so, but you've got to have the rough with the smooth, you know what I mean? Otherwise, right, you, know, you exactly. can't just have all these good things happening all the time. Right. So, so you know, when you, um, what do you tell, what do you tell people back? Like, let's say, for example, I wanted to ask you a couple of hypotheticals. So you go, you go back to England, right? You meet somebody, you know, like yourself, uh, no exposure to the game. How do you, how do you describe this to folks, you know, back, back home, so to speak, you know, in, in England, uh, how do you describe the game, the atmosphere, like what you've, what you've devoted so much of your later life to? I mean, with difficulty, um, <laughs> most of the stuff I post on Twitter is, you know, really for the, the sole purpose of trying to convince my old school friends that baseball's, you know, it's not just, you know, kind of rubbish rounders or whatever they call it. Right. And it's actually, you know, worth investing their time in. And I've, I've only just moved back to England since I got into baseball in Asia. So this is really my first opportunity to, you know, to try and, you know, get involved with the UK community here. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I hope to do this year, but, uh, I've always said to people just because I'm randomly born in England, it, you know, that it, my interest is growing interest in baseball, wherever you're from. Um, you know, not just, you know, people that are also British or whatever, but, uh, and, uh, you know, that's something I always try and make sure that, you know, the UK fans are often, Joey, can you retweet this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I just have to say, listen, I'm, you know, I don't like going on Twitter, you know, too much anyway, I'll do what I want to do. And, uh, it, it, it's more about baseball wherever you're from rather than where you happen to be born or grow up. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think, uh, it can't be undersold that, uh, because of where you were born and, and who you are on Twitter, that it has made an impact back in, in your home country. Right. Uh, we are starting to see like the MLB UK community that we see on Twitter, the fans, uh, that they're gathering and then we're, we're seeing more, support for baseball out of that area it sounds like also baseball wise that maybe that the uk is doing a little bit better in actually 
playing the sport at home? Is that or is that just something I'm seeing via just Twitter, or does it actually feel like baseball's growing there? I, you know, it's difficult for me to say, Jim, as as an outsider, but, you know, from my perspective, when I was living in Asia, there were some fantastic accounts such as Batflips and Nerds um, that do a podcast and they do a website and you're able to write for them. And I started writing for them, you know, when I first began, you know, feeling a little bit more confident in baseball. Um, there's a lot of people like, you know, George, who runs MLB UK Community and uh, all the fan accounts. Uh, you know, the people that stay up super late, UK Phillies is our biggest, most active one at the moment with about four and a half thousand followers. Um, and they're very actively engaged as well. That's run by Dave Shaw. Those are the people really that have done far more than I have, I think, in terms of growing interest within the UK. Um, as I said, I'm very much an outsider that's just moved back. And, you know, these people have been very kind to me, the people that have been here for a long time um, in, you know, being, you know, fairly accepting of me. But, uh, yeah, those are the accounts really um, that, that I think have got more to do with it. And then obviously the games with um, with the Yankees and Red Sox in London last year, with the Cubs and Cardinals this year. The MLB London office have done a great job on, um, you know, on Instagram as well in terms of trying to access uh, people that maybe not wouldn't normally stumble across baseball. We've just got a brand new restaurant and batting cage, which is in one of the you know, cool. largest shopping centers in, in the whole of the country. Uh, that's hopefully going to, you know, as people walking by doing their big shopping, they're going to look in and think, wow, what's going on in there? You know, people hitting a, a ball coming out of a machine and that kind of looks cool. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, what I do is just for, you know, it's just it's just silly stuff to try and get my schoolmates interested in it. And, uh, you know, there are far, far better, more active people in the UK that do more than I do to grow it within this country. Wow. Okay. It's pretty neat. So um, we're going to take a, you know, um, we're going to take a, a quick break and we're going to come back and I kind of want to talk to you a little, you know, Jim and I want to talk to you a little bit more about what's, uh, what's upcoming. So uh, for you, so, uh, so we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, so, uh, again, we are joined very graciously by uh, Joey Mellows, also known as the Baseball Brit. And uh, so far we've talked about, you know, what has brought us to this point. And now, uh, Joey, we wanted to talk about what's next. So, um, you know, you, you put out a video about this, but uh, just fill our listeners in. What, what, is, what is coming up for, for you? Yeah, well... Um since I've been back, it's been quite a difficult kind of transition back to just normal life, you know, not being on the road and watching baseball all the time. So um, I'm finishing a book proposal and uh, there's some people that are interested in all the crazy stuff that happened last year. And um, I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to use the first payment for any, any, any future book uh, to fund the kind of investigation into the 42 minor league teams that are currently, um, you know, potentially losing their affiliated status by the end of the 2020 season. And uh, as someone that, you know, grew up in a, uh, a fairly small city, I've always been fascinated by smaller communities. And I just want to investigate really the impacts that these potential changes will have on the economy and the society and the community in these areas. Sure. And so, so what, it, what in, can you fill us in as to what, in, what inspired this particular target of teams? Uh, what, what, what brought this on? I just when I when I first read about it, I was just quite shocked, um, you know, for someone that spent a lot of time watching independent baseball and, you know, driving around the country. I, I've kind of seen firsthand how important baseball can be for bringing people together in, um, you know, for example, the, the yeah. Fort Wayne Tin Caps in Indiana. 
Um, they've got a lovely new ballpark. It's led to lots of regeneration. Their general uh, manager, um, Mike Skinner, has done a fantastic job there in terms of really boosting the economy of the entire area because of this this ballpark. And, uh, you know, if if that wasn't there, then it would have lots of impacts on on people in terms of, you know, local businesses and things as well. There'd be like a demultiplier effect. And uh, I've seen the good that baseball can do and, you know, the power it has to bring people together, particularly in these divided times for your country politically. Right. And you can go to a ballpark and for three hours you can put all of that, if you're able to, on the back burner and you sit next to people regardless of, you know, who they support and you can have a beer in the sun and just have a lovely old time. And that for me is really what, uh, you know, baseball, yes, it's, it's competitive and it's sport, but it's also about community and it's about fellowship and about bringing people together in a positive way. Did you, and you're talking about Rob Manfred, just to clarify, the Rob Manfred's uh, proposal to contract 42 minor league teams from major league affiliated status. Uh, go ahead, Jim. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, and uh, and I think, uh, you know, you hit on it, right? With What these communities are, uh, the impact of that they're going to have, we don't really know. I mean, there's communities like Chattanooga that's basically had baseball inside of his community since I believe like 1885 or something like that. I read, right. um, all the way into, uh, smaller communities in like Great Falls, Montana, um, where I grew up roughly, right. A little bit outside of there. We always saw the baseball games, at least family wise, as an affordable place to go and watch a game that we love and spend time with our with our families right we can sit down and have a talk and we can meet people and new people and everything else i i just think that when when you hit the road i i think that that's the part that i think is going to be the the thing i want to hear the most is is that impact of uh, of the communities and i i can't i can't wait to see what uh what you find out so um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm 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 pretty personable one on one or like in small groups, and uh, you know I love a bar. Don't get me wrong. So <laughs> I'll be popping into you know places like that, local restaurants, and you know if it's Sunday or whatever, I'd I'll be keen like just to even go into churches and kind of you know just any community gathering place really, uh, regardless of religion, and just kind of you know speak to people there um, about about the ballpark and whether they go and you know what what impacts it, it's brought to the area. And I am going to try and be objective. You know, I think it's important that, um, you know, people that have followed me for a while know I love minor league baseball. So there's no hiding that. But, um, right. you know, I am curious to find out, you know, when I first got into baseball, I was personally very surprised at the amount of teams that, that existed in baseball compared to other sports. Um, you know, I know, you know Rob Manfred's come out and said that this is about, um, you know, the fact that some facilities aren't, aren't good enough and, uh, you know, they want to be able to pay players better. And, uh, you know, the distance they travel between between um, between teams is too far and there's too many players getting drafted with, you know, too small a chance of making it to the majors. There are all these reasons that have been put forward by MLB. And, you know, whilst I'm on the road, I'll be asking, you know, general managers and, you know, snooping around myself to see whether any of this is true or not, because, um, you know, I don't just want to wear rose tinted glasses for the whole, you know, the whole time I'm on the road. I think, you know, people uh, people deserve and I, I want to find out you know, how much truth there is on both sides of this. But, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to see all these teams survive, of course, because, um, you know, baseball's brilliant, in my opinion. And, you know, when you get rid of baseball, that's a bad thing. But uh, I am going to try and remain as objective as possible. And because I'm English and an outsider and I look stupid, I think I'll be able to get away with it a bit easier than you guys might. <laughs> that, you know, with uh, it, when it, it almost sounds journalistic, like, are you looking at this almost like a like a journalistic endeavor? I'm looking at it. 
I guess, um, you know, I went to the London School of Economics and I've always been interested in, you know, social inequality and, you know, kind of economic regeneration and gentrification and, you know, urban decline and urban poverty and all of these, you know, rural poverty as well, all these different aspects. So I think from my personal point of view, it's just a continuation of all these all these things that I've studied and been interested in all my life. And, uh, you know, the road trip aspect is always fun. And, um, you know, I want to speak about and well, tell the stories of these people that uh, are going to be affected by these changes by, you know, by a big corporation that, you know, at the grassroots level. So have you been reaching out to the, the GMs of the 42 teams or even more teams to try to get a feel from like the minor league GMs on on their thoughts and everything about this? Have you been reaching out to them? And if you have, have you been getting a, a pretty good reception from them? I mean, not yet, Jim. I mean, I'm currently working on a big old spreadsheet where I've got all the kind of, you know, the average attendance last season, the average attendance the year before, the capacity of the ballpark, the the size of the the urban area and then the greater urban area, the states and, you know, just the kind of basic statistical data that I, I always like collecting before I put my maps together and, you know, get the journey planned. Um, but, I mean, I am currently making a list of all the general managers and their email addresses and their contact details uh, you know, famous ex-ball players uh, and current MLB players that have played for these teams that I can try and communicate with and ask them, you know, tell me about your time with the Missoula Paddleheads, for example. Um, so I will be contacting these general managers within the next week or two. And uh, currently a few teams have, have already got in touch because I posted a video uh, back right, in January. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've been overwhelmingly, um, you know, positive and uh, welcoming. And, you know, I... I always say that, you know, the point of this isn't isn't for me to, you know, throw out a first pitch or be the centre of attention. I just want to come and tell the stories of, of your community and speak to people and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, shine the light on them. So because a few of them have said, hey, can you come out and do this for us on the field? And can, you know, would you mind you know, doing all this? And I'm, I've got to be quite, you know, firm and just say this this trip's not about me. It's about it's about the areas and it's about your team and it's about baseball. Did you um, have you uh, when you're putting together all of this data, did you come across anything that just totally like floored you or like totally, um, you know, really kind of caught you off guard at all with any of like the attendance data or the size of the town per attendance? Like, you know, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the Rocky Mountain vibes are on this list of 42 teams. Um, mm-hmm. And the Rocky Mountain Vibes, I mean, they were uh, they were previously the Sky Sox only a season before last at the AAA level. Um, they're in uh, the town of Colorado Rapids, which has a population of 472,000, according to, you know, at least the data I've collected. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, half a million people that are used to watching AAA baseball just an hour south of Denver. It does seem shocking that, you know, that team could now be completely disappearing, uh, even though they've just, you know, Last season, they were demoted to the rookie level because of the, you know, the way the ball flies out of that ballpark there. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Rocky Mountain vibes were a surprise just because they were AAA only only 2018 season. But um, as the as the Sky Sox. Um, also, there's a there's a double A team. There's four double A teams. I'm, I'm always surprised that, you know, um, teams that high up the minor league pyramid are being threatened, including the Erie Seawolves, who are the UK official affiliate uh, minor league team. So, um, oh, wow. you know, they're. Their general manager, Greg Coleman, I've been in touch with now since 2018, where I met him in Las Vegas and went out with him then. And uh, I saw him at the winter meetings in San Diego in 2019, and we had a beer, and he kind of spoke very openly about, you know, the difficulties that he's personally facing with uh, his relationship with baseball and, you know, the town are facing. And they had all these uh, improvements that they wanted to make to the ballpark. And, you know, now, obviously, investors are worried that uh, if it's only for one season and then it's going to turn into an independent team or disappear, then... 
um, you know, that decreases the value and decreases the confidence people have in, the, you know, the facilities being improved. And it's a, it's just a very difficult time. And the Chattanooga lookouts, actually, I'm glad Jim mentioned them earlier because I, I plan to be with them for their home opener against the Jackson Generals, another team on this list. Um, you know, I've never been to Chattanooga. In actual fact, 40 of the 42 teams on the list I've never I've never been to before. No, oh, wow. Um, it's just it's just the Rocky Mountain vibes I went to because I knew their pitching coach Michael Schlacht, who used to be the manager of the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks in the Independent League. Okay. Um, I knew him, so I went I went and and uh, you know watched the team because he was there. And also the Quad Cities River Bandits I've been to before in uh, Iowa. That's a beautiful ballpark that gets flooded a lot, I think. Oh. Um, you know, it's just by a bridge that goes into, I'm going to get this wrong now. Is it Illinois? I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything, but, uh, yeah, this is all going to be very new for me. And, uh, you know, those are the teams really Chattanooga, Erie, and then, um, you know, the, the Rocky mountain vibes that I'm, I'm surprised about to go back to your question, Adam. Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. Jim, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The, yeah. Double A teams being on that list is, uh, yeah, really surprising to me because I guess probably part of this contraction will end up just, if it does happen, will probably be a realignment, right? That, I mean, maybe the triple A level won't have to deal with anything, but at the double A level and below, if it's affecting the double A, that's going to have to be a realignment made. And that's, that's crazy to me, but I really enjoy the fact that you point out when you were talking to the GM of Erie uh, about investors and how tough that's got to be, because we see, you know, maybe possibly that, yeah, they can't, they can't do it. If this becomes an independent team, if they're not tied to major league baseball, what's the value of your minor league baseball team now? So that's very interesting to me. I, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty striking. Yeah, no, certainly. He said, you know, that, you know, the value of the team pretty much when they received that news, which he said came as a surprise to them, um, you know, meant that the value of the team for the owner went down by, you know, over 50 percent pretty much overnight. Um, wow. And obviously, you know, pe- you know, people listening aren't going to be too sympathetic towards multimillionaires already. But, uh, um, you know, this is still it's still going to have an impact on people, you know, at the grassroots level with, you know, smaller local businesses that are, you know, hotels, for example, or you know, coffee shops that are near the ballpark, food restaurants. Right. Um, Those are the so real it's... victims when it when the, when it comes to this sort of thing. It's not the multimillionaire. It's the, you know, twelve dollar an hour barista at the local shop. It's you know, it's it's the grassroots, like you said, the grassroots level. It's a perfect way to describe. Yeah, the it. grassroots level, and it's the children at the local primary and secondary schools that used to enjoy being able to go and watch, you know, baseball and you know. Uh, soon to be major leaguers hopefully if you're watching at the double a level or whatever and uh, now now they don't have that on their doorstep and you know it's it, it's their stories really that i want to kind of talk about although you know on twitter there's always there's a guy on twitter called joe she Sheehan. yeah yeah um, uh-huh. and he's he's interesting bloke because he's he kind of sides more with mlb mm-hmm. and you know because i am trying to understand both sides of this like he often points to the fact that minor league teams have moved themselves you know fairly regularly because of better opportunities in in other cities where they can make more money and therefore you know painting themselves as the victims um perhaps isn't isn't always accurate when when they're they themselves are looking to move out of communities in certain examples now i'm sure that is a minority you know but it's a fair point even if it is you know a smaller amount of teams that have done that in the past and um, I'm looking forward to finding out why that happens as well and, you know, the impacts that that's had on on the communities. For example, um, there was a double A team in New Orleans last year, uh, the Baby Cakes, yeah. and that that team, it no longer exists. And, um, you know, instead now there's a there's a new triple A team in in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Um, and that and that team in New Orleans has just disappeared. And I'd like to travel there and find out how did this happen and 
you know, did you did you see this coming and why did the team not work here? And, uh, you know, what impacts has it had, if anything? Um, so there's lots of angles to this that I hope to explore. But, yeah, fundamentally, I just want to find out why these 42 teams have been chosen and whether that's fair or not and whether, you know, this is actually going to happen. And if it if it does, what the impacts will be, I'll go back next year in 2021 and follow up. Right. Yeah, I know as a kid, yeah, we used to have baseball teams just north of the border in, in Canada that we would check out in, in Medicine Head, Alberta, Lethbridge, Alberta, and even down in Montana and Helena, Montana that don't exist anymore. Um, and really never thought about what you're saying here, like Joe mentions to you, is that these teams have moved before. What was the reasoning behind it? It was probably for better opportunity. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see that side of it too. That's crazy. The um, so Joey, I, I've I've thought I thought about this, and I wonder if um, if you think this is at all you know a viable idea. Like, have you ever thought about? trying to say do you think there would ever be enough enthusiasm or momentum to maybe bring uh, a ba- baseball in a tactile way back to uh, the united kingdom to to, to england to to um maybe is there a do you think it'd be viable to have a league over there uh at the moment i'm not really in a in a very good position to answer that having not been in been in the country for any time in the summer when you know when i've been into baseball but um I don't think we're ready at the moment, Adam. I think, you know, most people would certainly agree with that. And, uh, but there's certainly, you know, with, with MLB games being played here and, um, hopefully they'll come back again in the future. It's my understanding that this is the, the last, the last time they're definitely here. Um, but this is a 10 year plan that major league baseball has to kind of expand into Europe. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to move around other European cities in the future, uh, and then come back to London. Um, but uh, there are certainly, you know, good leagues in other countries that I'm, I'm aware of. I know Peter Moylan was playing in the Czech Republic. Um, I, I think only only last season he was playing in the Czech Republic. Um, so there are there are possibilities within within Europe. I think to you know to grow a more well-funded uh, professional baseball league. But um, you know, certainly in the UK, we're uh, we're a long way off, but right. working towards that, I guess. Okay. It'd be nice to see a minor league uh, set up out there too. That'd You're over here cool. trying to. You come over here and you can save our minor leagues, then you can build a new one over there for us too. <laughs> you or you can work with the UK community and have them help out. So yeah, no pressure. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> when you wait. You said you were going to be like opening day for Chattanooga, and then uh, they were also playing against a team that was on the on the list. I can't remember the name of the team. Yeah, they're playing the Jackson Generals, um, uh-huh. who are also on the team, and they're also based in um, Tennessee. So uh, I'm kind of interested to, you know, to, to speak to both sides and find out, you know, two teams from Tennessee are both are both are both on the chop list. You're both at the double A level. Um, you know, why is this? Why were you chosen? Like, how how did you find out about this? And has there been any kind of way that you've been able to you know, kind of make your point in a strenuous way that you don't want this to happen? Or is it just um, and I think a lot of it comes down to you know, kind of ownership, like, um, you know, these like, the major league teams want control over over their minor league teams and you know those those minor league teams that perhaps have stronger independent leadership um of the franchise whatever you want to call it or the affiliate uh, perhaps perhaps this is you know kind of payback for for them being a bit difficult in the past i don't know i mean this is stuff i'm going to find out but i'm sure there's more to it than uh, everything that we've been presented with so far and uh, i'm going right. to try and find out what that stuff is and so will you be visiting uh, both communities then uh, instead of just, I know you're seeing both teams at the same ballpark. Will you still be going to Jackson also? 
Yeah, so the plan is to um, uh, the Cardinals are playing the Cubs in Chicago. Um, I think it's like April the 9th, roughly. It's like a three game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's the only time they're playing each other before they come to London uh, on June the 13th and 14th. So I'm going to be over there just to try and, you know, tell people about the rivalry. And, you know, there's still tickets available, for example, here at the London Stadium. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to make sure that, you know, people that perhaps don't know about baseball yet might might think about getting a ticket. And the day before Chattanooga playing Jackson Generals. So I'm going to go down to Chattanooga a few days earlier, spend some time in the town, speaking to locals and things. And, um, you know, then go up to Chicago, fly back to England and then my proper trip starts in the middle of June. After the London series, I'll be over for two and a half months. And that's when I really drive from the West Coast, the Lancaster Jet Hawks, just outside LA, up to your neck of the woods, Jim, in uh, Washington, and then across through the Pioneer League and then through Iowa and then the Northeast and then down the Appalachian and then end up in Florida. There's a couple of teams, the, the, the Fire Frogs and the, uh, it might be the Tortugas off the top of my head. Um, so that's when I'll get all 42 done in a short space of time is mid-June to early September. Yeah, You're going to know more about the United States than 90% of the Americans. <laughs> yeah, the Fire Frogs, that was uh, the Braves' high A team, I think, for a little bit. Because I only remember that because they had the coolest logo. And I just think Fire Frogs is just such a cool name for a team. <laughs> minor, league ba- minor League Baseball has all the coolest logos. They that's, do. Yeah, well, they're yeah. the greatest. So, um, so Joey, uh, you know, one question that I, I kind of wanted to ask, you know, as you um, you know, as you go through a lot of these uh, a lot of these places, um, you know, it, I guess what's the question I'm trying to ask? Okay, so the question I'm trying to ask is a lot of the questions even we've been asking have been. Uh, do you feel like an implied responsibility to be sort of the like the U- the UK ambassador to baseball? Uh, is that a, something that you do? You feel it first. And if you do, is it something that you welcome or is it more of a burden? I would never, ever refer to myself as the UK ambassador of baseball. No, I mean, that's something I would very much distance myself from. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, if other people see me that way, I would strongly deny why I have no, I I, I have no idea why they would see that. And I hope no one does see that. I'm just a random bloke that fell in love with baseball in Asia driving around on my own learning and sharing my joy of baseball that is fundamentally what i do there's no there's no greater plan beyond that than you know just share the love of baseball that i get sure okay no that's that's perfect i i guess like it's i see it a lot of times like i see your interactions with folks and and you're very you're very like um you're very focused on maintaining that that persona and honestly i feel that is, it's very admirable because I don't know that uh, I don't know that a lot of people would be able to keep that sort of um, and I, I hate to say it this way humble attitude and and I I, I know I I uh, it's an admirable quality for sure. Yeah, being staying objective, like you talk about being able to have a first pitch right in a game and and just saying no, that's not why I'm here and everything else. That's the part that. Um, I believe that need, that news needs to spread more, right? That's something that needs to be put out there from people like myself on, on Twitter to make sure that everybody understands what what the reasoning is behind it. It's about baseball. It's about right. the communities. It isn't about Joey Mello. It is, you know, it's not about Jim Pass, and it's not about any of that. It's really about what's best for for the communities and and the game that we all love. And I, I think, you know. We, we lose sight of it a little bit when we think about it as a he's not from here, you know, that 
what he's doing is something that we would all do no matter what race we are what gender we are or where we were born it's uh it's it's amazing and i think it just needs to be stressed more and uh, i will take a little bit of responsibility for that and and make sure that i spread that news yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope people don't think I'm just a one man promoting, you know, promoting myself. It's, uh, sometimes it's it's very awkward sometimes because a team might leave a free ticket and I'll, you know, be very grateful. And then they'll say, hey, can can you do, you know, can you speak to our local TV network? And then because I've already accepted the ticket, I kind of feel obligated to speak to these people. But, you know, chasing media and, you know, being in the Washington Post isn't anything that I've, I've ever set out to, to do. It's right. just, you know, sometimes I get into situations where it's, it's easier just to say yes than it is to kind of be rude and say no. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask, um, uh, you know, like for example, uh, you're you're traveling along, you run into Rob Manfred, you get ten minutes of his undivided time. What yeah. what what are some of the things? What would you ask? What would you talk? Want to talk to? What would you tell Rob Manfred? I wouldn't tell Rob Manfred anything. You know, if I had 10 minutes with him, I'd, you know, hopefully it'd be in a bar and I can just talk to him as a bloke. He's just a bloke uh, that needs to go to the toilet like I do, that probably enjoys a beer like I do. And, um, you know, I just talk to him as a bloke and, you know, get to know him a little bit and try and understand, you know, because his job is to keep these multi-billionaire owners happy. Right. That's a stressful job. He doesn't have a job if he doesn't keep them happy. Um, right. I think there's often a something, a kind of, you know, people misunderstand his role. His role is to answer to them and you know his role isn't to protect baseball um it's to make sure that he keeps his contract with by keeping these billionaire owners happy right. and um you know he's in a difficult situation there i mean it's a situation he's chosen to be in it's something he's he certainly kind of trained himself for for a long time now but um i just sit down with him as a bloke yeah one-on-one -on -one, have a beer and you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be you know People calling my twat and stuff on Twitter. I mean, that's stuff I always distance myself from. Like, right. there's no need to abuse the guy. He's got a family and stuff, and it's just the job. Um, but, of course, there are things that I'd like to understand from his point of view why he does them. And, uh, you know, if, if I was able to, perhaps I'd just pose a few questions that might get him thinking about, uh, yeah, why do I do that? Um, right. But, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be out there to kind of, you know, point the finger and shout at him or anything. Yeah, it's not to put him on the spot. It's to get a better understanding because that is one thing I – I do agree with you on. I think it's, you know, one thing about America, two things that we don't we always understand in America. One, general, you know, civics and how government works and the role of the baseball commissioner. Because it, it is, uh, you you hit on that. It, he, he answers to the owners. And a lot of, you know, I think um, that's the sort of objectivity that I find fascinating that you approach this with. An objectivity that us in America, I don't think we that an American could do what you're doing seriously, because we we grow up with these almost tribal biases. You know what I mean? If um, you yeah. know, it, I it, mean, go go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I think a lot of people in America could definitely do what I'm doing, Adam. I'm you know, <laughs> just an idiot asking questions, but um, yeah, I think sometimes you know, with, with people pointing the finger at, you know, for example, Rob Manfred. You know, from my point of view, I see it as more of a structural problem um you know it could be any guy in that role that's been created you know he could be called i don't know adam smith or whatever or penelope penelope you know right. whatever um it's it's a role that's been created because a structure exists and it's the structure that needs changing not not really it's not rob mantra's fault for all of these ideas i don't think it's you know it's the structure in place which at the minute um you know means that these it's about control it seems to me as an outsider but uh 
yeah, it's it's a lot more complicated than just Rob Manfred. I think that's for sure. Yeah, he hit it on the head, right? I mean, it's a it's a it's a structural issue um, of of what we're seeing, right? And I know on Twitter, it's it's easy to get caught up for a lot of people in the in the yelling and the arguing and the and the blaming, right? It's but yeah, like you oh, say, they've got a good. job to do. So staying positive, like you do, and and keeping positive as you try to solve the issues, is I mean the thing that's going to save baseball. Yeah, and like uh, for the listeners, I'm not I'm not trying to solve anything here. I'm uh, you know just trying to understand things better and hopefully you know pose questions that will get other people thinking maybe maybe this isn't the only way it has to be. Right, right. So yeah. fill us in. You know, along the way here. So you 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 made a allusion to to a book. Uh, you're also doing a a podcast with uh, with um, uh, Rob Free Pitching Ninja, right? Yeah, with Rob. Yeah, we we. Well, we're hoping that's going to launch um, in the in the next week or two. At the end of next week, um, yeah, that's just fun. I met Rob at the World Series, and um, he said his wife had been following me throughout the summer. You know, my silly road trip, and you know, she'd spoken to him about me and stuff. So he, um, I went over and said hello, and he said, "Oh, I, I know who you are. You're the, you know, the English guy, or whatever." And yeah, we kind of got talking, and we got on very well. And you know, he's very technical, and you know, he's he's got so much expertise and knowledge about pitching and coaching and, you know, baseball fundamentals. And I've got so many stupid questions and, you know, kind of, you know, I, you know, we're hoping that this podcast is going to be for people at both ends of the spectrum. If you're new to baseball, you know, you can kind of, you know, listen to my random questions. And if you're very knowledgeable, you can enjoy the expertise of Rob Friedman because he's a lovely bloke and, you know, his Twitter accounts are fantastic follow as well. Oh, yeah. 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 We yeah, complement each other really well with that. Right. Yeah. Both of you have great personalities on Twitter. So um, that'll be a that'll be a hell of a podcast. So uh, it should be fun. So is that so what do you think is is Twitter probably the best way to to keep track of, of where you are and your and your whereabouts on this on this next adventure? Yeah, I think so. Twitter's Twitter's the only social media that I've really, you know, use or vaguely understand. Um, people keep telling me Instagram's like a, a younger demographic and perhaps it'd be good to use Instagram, but I am dreadful, Adam. I don't, I, I, I don't get it at all. And <laughs> I'm I the same way. I'm like, the same way. Yeah. I, I have an Instagram. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but I think for this trip, the 42 minor league teams, I think I'm going to use that for photographs of the ballpark and uh, the town. I think I'm going to do one a day of the ballpark and one of the town and just keep it nice and simple there on Instagram for people that want to see more of like, you know, the town stuff rather than all the baseball stuff that's mostly Twitter. Sure. So this, so this upcoming trip is, is almost, it's for baseball fans, but it, it's also not, it, it could be for anybody because you're, you're diving into the human element of it. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, I'm just doing this because I'm interested myself and, you know, it's up to people whether they want to follow along or not. But uh, there'll certainly be lots of baseball, uh, which is great because I love baseball. And, um, you know, the road trip aspect, so much crazy stuff happens on the road, guys, because you, you, you know, for starters, you drive on a different side of the road to us. So <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. Day, every day, I'm just glad and grateful when I get to a ballpark that I'm not dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because... It's it's not easy driving in the states when you've you know grown up in a completely different way you know of uh, of driving. So uh, you guys all have automatic cars though, so I'm always grateful to that. We have mostly you know the kind of gear shift cars over here, so um, that that makes it a lot easier. But uh, yeah, I hope the trips for for people, regardless of whether they're baseball fans, they're just gonna you know see the country through through an idiot's eyes essentially. Wonderful. And, and so now, last year when you were traveling around, and now this year coming up. 
are you expecting uh, followers to pick you out of a crowd? I mean, you're kind of a recognizable person, as goes for being an American on our side. You know, I, I think I could pick you out of a crowd if I saw you at a ball game. Um, are you expecting that? Were you getting that the last time you were here? Just followers uh, running up to you saying, hey, aren't you? Not really, no. Um, uh -huh. You know, I, I I tend to sit in the outfield and you know keep myself to myself um, when I'm when I'm at the ballpark because I just want to watch the games. Yeah. And um, no, I, I'd say that happened very infrequently. Uh, and certainly, you know, when I'm in state, you know, places like Montana where I've never been, Idaho where I've never been, no one's going to recognise me. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be yeah. I mean, that's it's a very nice. I like just being a regular bloke because I am a regular bloke and most of the time, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. So, so um, w I wanted to ask one last question. You've watched a lot of baseball and, you know, I, I have this thing. Uh, I'm curious as to when you, for someone who's watched uh, so much in so short a time, what's your, what's your favorite play in baseball? You know, like for example, mine's <laughs> the stolen base, you know what I mean? Like what, what or the outfield assist? Like what? What's your? What's the play that you look forward to the most when a baseball game starts? Gotta be sacrifice hitting, I right? <laughs> yeah, I've got. I mean, Jim's. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I was going to straight away go to the you know bunt bunt double. <laughs> the bunt uh, double. Yeah, where you bunt against the shift and yeah. it kind of goes all the way down and like yeah, like as a someone that's watched a, a lot of Rangers games because of Shinsu Chu in Korea, um, you know Joey Gallo always has the opportunity just to get that bunt double. Um, I like a triple. I love a triple just because there's so much going on. You know, the you know, the outfielder running for the ball and like, will he make it to third base and the slide and you know if there's people on base and someone hits a triple, it's so exciting. Like you know where they're going to throw it. So um, yeah, I'm I'm not a big power guy. I mean, a home run's nice, but I'm more like a small ball guy, I guess. And I like all the all the kind of tactical stuff that goes on um, within the infield. Fantastic. All right. More more action, the better. Right. Right. Yeah, and that's just because in Korea it's you know you get a lot more of that. That they don't have the power that you know people in Major League Baseball have. So yeah, I think it's just the way I was brought up with my baseball education. Would you have uh, any family with you for any of the trip uh, to be able to spend some time with your family at a ball game again this year? Ah, uh, I don't think so. Um, my parents may come over at the end. Uh, we've got family friends that live just outside Philadelphia. But uh, nothing's planned at the moment. My sister's uh, got a, a small child, so she won't be out. But uh, um, I might have my friend out with me for a bit. Um, last year was all on my own. And uh, it would be nice, I guess, just to have someone else in the car to share the driving. And, uh, um, yeah, I guess yeah, just for companionship, I guess. But uh, I'm very happy doing it on my own. I've lived on my own for 10 years as a teacher. So whatever happens, happens. It's going to be a fun ride. And uh, there'll be a lot of baseball. So I'll be happy as Larry. Well, Joey, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming in and spending some time with us and uh, getting us ready for your uh, for your upcoming journey. I know Jim and I will be watching very closely, and, and hopefully we'll be able to, to check in with you at some point through it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it'd be nice to meet you both in person so I can ask you some more questions and we can just, you know, be a couple of blokes having a beer in, you know, Seattle or uh, in Atlanta. So uh, thanks for having me on, and I uh, hope I've not waffled on too much. Probably no. Cheers. <laughs> 
not yeah, at all. Thank you so stay much. In touch. Uh, if you end up in Montana, I might come home and see my family and uh, do it, and have, do it, Jim, and, and grab a beer with you too. Because I mean, once you get to like, I lived in Billings for a while, so you get to see Daler Park. It's a beautiful stadium that they built maybe about a dozen years ago. So uh, and it's a nice little area in town. Um, and Great Balls, where I grew up, I, they still play in the same stadium that I used to go and watch. They were the Great Balls Dodgers back in the day. Uh, I wouldn't mind going there. My sister still lives in town, so we got a place to crash and, and somewhere to grab a beer. That'd be great. So let's definitely stay in touch. All right. For sure. For sure, Jim. Well, th- thanks, thanks again and uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Adam. Cheers, mate. Hey, best wishes to you, Joey. Cheers, Jim. Yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. I really appreciate it. Where to go?